Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. But before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as traditional people and traditional owners of this country. We acknowledge with gratitude First Nations communities for their continuing care and connection to the lands or waters with which they have protected for thousands of years. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. On this week's episode, I am delighted to be introducing you to our next special guest, one of our provisional psychologists and family therapists here at Body Matters, Emily Stewart Pettidge. Emily holds a Bachelor of Health Science, Epidemiology, Graduate Diploma of Psychological Science, and Bachelor of Psychology with an Honours First Class. On this week's episode, Emily will discuss the role of family-based therapy, also known as Maudsley family-based therapy, in the treatment of restrictive eating disorders for adolescents. So on that note, please enjoy our lovely guest, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emily. Thanks so much for having me, Jessie. Would you be able to provide a little background information about yourself and maybe talk about some things that you like to do to stay well? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Emily and I am one of the provisional psychologists working at Body Matters. I am originally from South Australia and I moved to Sydney about five years ago with my now husband. I feel very privileged to be working at Body Matters as supporting people and their families with a lived experience of an eating disorder is something that I'm really passionate about. And I also get a lot of reward from the work I do. And so at the moment, my work primarily involves supporting families and adolescents who are experiencing restrictive eating disorders. However, I also do have an interest and experience supporting adults who are experiencing a range of different eating disorder presentations and comorbid concerns. So some things that I do to stay well are moving my body, getting some sunshine, eating regular meals that I enjoy, and also staying connected with my family and friends. I also do make sure that I'm getting enough rest, which for me involves a nap or taking moments throughout the day to either just close my eyes and I guess also to relax my body. I love that. I love the napping. Yeah, I do love love a nap. (laughs) A lot of adults do that, actually. They like to go home like, oh, I'm just having a nap and then I'll come out. (laughs) Sure. So... Each week on the podcast, we do like to ask our guests about a recent challenge that they've experienced and how they have managed to overcome it. Do you have one? I certainly do, Jessie. Um, So I am coming towards the end of my psychology internship, which is very exciting. Um, However, one of the final requirements is to study and then sit the national psychology exam. Um, So I've found fitting an exam study around my current commitments quite challenging, um, particularly over the last couple of months. 
Um, however, what I have found helpful to stay on top of this requirement is to focus on the bigger picture. And then also, I guess, the excitement of being so close to finishing my internship and then meeting the requirements for full registration as a psychologist in Australia. Wow, yes, that is very, very exciting. And yeah. yes, you're at that last leap. Yeah, the end is inside now. <laughs> so on the topic of today, we are going to be, I guess, talking about the role of family. So mm -hmm. how might an eating disorder during childhood or adolescence disrupt family life and family relationships? Mm. So an eating disorder can disrupt family life and family relationships in so many different ways. And so often when a family comes to treatment, their lives have been completely changed and shaped to accommodate the eating disorder. So if we think about a typical nuclear family setup, um, which might involve both parents, the child or adolescent who's experiencing the eating disorder and or possibly any siblings. Prior to the eating disorder, the parents would have likely set clear expectations and boundaries around appropriate and inappropriate behaviours for their household. And parents may or may not have also been in charge of selecting and then also making what the family would eat for dinner, but also maybe what times the meals would be served. However, then when their child develops an eating disorder, we will often see that the eating disorder determines some things like, for example, what food is allowed in the house, who does the food shopping, how food is cooked, what food is cooked, maybe what other people within the family are eating, when meals are served, who is allowed to be present when they eat. And I guess these are just to name a few examples of what we might see. And these have significant impacts on all family members. Yes, definitely. So... Why should parents or family be a part of the treatment team in eating disorder recovery for adolescents? Mm. It's a really good question. So while the inclusion of families may not be suitable for every young person, there is strong evidence suggesting the inclusion of family in the treatment of restrictive eating disorders um, that are occurring during adolescence and childhood. And parents are often a key resource in their child's recovery from an eating disorder as they, often more so than anyone else in the world, want their child to achieve a full recovery from the eating disorder. And so because of this, parents are often willing to do whatever it takes for their child to become well again. They also know how to feed their children as they've successfully done it until they became unwell. And usually they also do know their child the best. 
So when someone is experiencing a restrictive eating disorder, they often also experience symptoms associated with what we call starvation syndrome. And so starvation syndrome is a condition that occurs when our brains are not receiving enough energy to function well. And psychological and behavioral symptoms that we might notice when someone is experiencing this include things like um, rigid food rules, constantly thinking about food, um, binge eating, fluctuations in mood, intense and negative emotional reactions, maybe irritability, reduced motivation, difficulty concentrating, impaired problem-solving skills. And then we might also see um, increased anxiety around food. Then we might also notice some physical symptoms and some of these include a reduced um, energy level, sometimes a reduced need for sleep, things like dizziness, headaches, hypersensitivity to noise and light, um, commonly gastrointestinal concerns. Um, so I guess just to give some examples of these that might look like uh, bloating, stomach pain, feeling full faster, and also after eating a very small amount of food, um, things like gas, constipation, and maybe also diarrhea. Um, other physical symptoms that we would often see include feeling cold quite frequently. Um, so particularly we might see or notice this in our hands and feet. And then also some people do notice hair loss as, as well. And a, another common symptom of anorexia nervosa, which is often exacerbated with malnutrition, is what we'd call anosognosia. And anosognosia means that the individual who is experiencing the eating disorder is unable to see how unwell they are. And then also the need for immediate psychological and medical intervention. And I guess as a result of all of these things, it is important for parents to be warm and empathetic towards their child but then also firm with what's needed for them to be well again. Wow, I've never actually heard of that saying. Um, anus, how do you say it? Yeah, it can be a little tricky to pronounce. It's anosognosia. Yeah, but the fact that you're, you're not aware that you are experiencing an eating disorder or that it is serious and that it is so, that it's gotten to a certain point, I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of that and do experience that mm, yeah definitely and then I guess it it takes that recovery and support and I guess education and treatment to yeah to tr to come out of that mm, yeah for sure and we do um often see that um that symptom does improve with um weight restoration or um I guess just restoration of health good to hear yeah so then which health professionals should be involved in treatment then? 
So the treatment team for an adolescent who is experiencing anorexia nervosa should include as a minimum uh, a mental health professional, and this might be either a psychologist, a counsellor or a social worker, and then also a GP or a paediatrician. And those health professionals are important to provide medical monitoring. Um, some other health professionals might also include a psychiatrist, a dietitian, and or an occupational therapist. Um, but this really depends on the adolescent's unique situation and also the treatment modality that they're undertaking. Yes, definitely. So what is Maudsley family-based treatment for eating disorders? Yeah, so Maudsley family-based therapy is currently the gold standard treatment for restrictive eating disorders during adolescence. And as the name suggests, this is a treatment that involves all family members, which is usually defined as anyone who's living under the same roof as the unwell adolescent. Treatment consists of three phases, which last approximately 12 months, although in saying that, treatment duration does vary. Mm. Yeah, it is It is very interesting, the structure. Mm. So then when might Maudsley family-based therapy be the most suitable therapy for a child? Yeah, so... Maudsley family-based therapy is most suitable for adolescents who are younger than 18 years old and who are living at home with their families. This therapy does require a large commitment from the family members involved. So before starting treatment, it is vital that all family members involved if they're living under the same roof as the unwell adolescent, are prepared to take time away from things like work or school, uh, reduce any social commitments and or any other non-pressing commitments to prioritise things like session attendance and the recovery of the unwell adolescent. Why is it important to have all those family members there? Yeah, and this is a really great question, Jesse. Um, so it is important for all family members to be present as each family member has a unique and important role to play in their loved one's recovery. For example, parents take on the role of refeeding their child at home and it is so important for them to be on the same page and be making joint decisions around how to restore their loved one's health. Another example is that siblings often have an awareness that their sibling is unwell and it can be really containing for them to know their role and also have an opportunity to ask the parents, their sibling and also maybe the therapist any questions that come up for them in that process. 
Another reason why we encourage all family members to be present is that throughout the therapy process, we provide education and also opportunities for loved ones to hear from the unwell adolescent about what is helpful and unhelpful for their own personal recovery journey. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Holding that space for Mm. a young person to, yeah, speak about all the things that they've been experiencing and what would be best um, for their recovery. Definitely. So then why are parents so important in the weight restoration process and what happens to a child without the support of parents during this process? So as mentioned a little earlier, when someone is underweight, it is common for them to experience symptoms of starvation syndrome and not see how unwell they are. Parents can be a key treatment team member by assisting their child with their weight restoration in the home environment. By parents taking on full control of decisions about food, the eating disorder has no room to control their child and prevent weight restoration. While this process is incredibly challenging for all family members, many adolescents report relief when their parents take this control as they no longer have to battle the eating disorder on their own. If an adolescent does not have support from parents with the weight restoration, this does not mean that they will be unable to achieve recovery. However, The research does show that adolescents who do have this support typically recover faster. Mm, Very interesting, showing that importance of the support from the family. Mm. So then what are the three phases of family-based therapy? So there are three phases of Maudsley family-based therapy. The first phase of treatment focuses on weight restoration, normalised eating, and the elimination of behaviours, for example, purging, that are maintaining the eating disorder. Families would typically meet with the therapist weekly during this phase for guidance around how they will support their child to return to health. Parents are the experts on their child. So parents are encouraged to make all decisions around how they will achieve the task while having the therapist as a consultant. This phase also includes a family meal where the therapist has an opportunity to directly observe 
the family's interactions at mealtimes. It is also a great opportunity for the family to receive guidance around how to support their child at mealtimes, particularly when the eating disorder is making it difficult for their child to consume enough energy and also perhaps variety of foods to restore their health. So then phase two of treatment focuses on returning the control of eating back to the adolescent. This phase is commenced when the adolescent is steadily restoring their weight and when parents are feeling that they've been able to take charge of the eating disorder. The return of control back to adolescence is done in a gradual way and the timing of when control in various areas is handed back are considered really carefully. I guess like in phase one, while the therapist can guide these choices, it is ultimately up to the parents in consultation with their child to make decisions around how this will happen. Also, any additional concerns relating to adolescent developmental and anorexia nervosa can also start to be addressed in phase two. So then coming to phase three, which is the final phase of treatment, um, phase three commences when the adolescent has reached a stable weight that is within a weight range that is appropriate for their developmental trajectory prior to becoming unwell. Any adolescent and or family concerns that were unable to be addressed during phase one and phase two of treatment can now be addressed. So the main focus of this phase is the establishment of a healthy adolescent or young adult for the family to be functioning well at home and also for parents to to reorganise their life with the focus no longer being the eating disorder. Yeah, wow. I love that it starts off with separating the eating disorder from the child. So it's as if Mm. the family is taking control of the eating disorder, but then there's a process to help give that control back once the eating disorder is less strong, which I really Mm -hmm. love. Yeah, definitely. So why is the focus on weight restoration in phase one and not on any other social dynamics or concerns? Yeah, great question, Jessie. Um, so the research shows that when an adolescent is malnourished, it can significantly impact their physical, psychological and social well-being. So by focusing on weight restoration 
in this phase, so phase one, we usually also see improvements in other adolescent concerns. Um, so these might be concerns such as anxiety and or depression. And it might help with the relationships because I guess you're getting mm. that nourishment for your brain and you might start to see, I guess, what, how the eating disorder took control. Mm, 100%. So then what is the role of parents in mealtimes? Mm. So mealtimes are typically a time of immense stress and anxiety for an adolescent recovering from anorexia nervosa. Adolescents experiencing anorexia nervosa need a secure base in their parents. Parents who remain calm, empathetic and directive with what is needed for health are typically containing for their child during these times. I also encourage parents to not get into negotiations with the eating disorder at mealtimes. It is important to listen to your child so that they feel heard. However, listening is not the same as agreeing. And the task of eating what you, I guess, the, as parents, have determined is non-negotiable. And I also want to mention that each family is unique with what mealtimes do look like for them. Some families find the eating together as a family at the dinner table while playing a board game is helpful. Um, and they can find that helpful to provide the adolescent with both support and also distraction. However, others might enjoy engaging in conversation that does not involve food or body shape. And parents are also encouraged to disrupt the eating disorder when they notice that it might be influencing their child's behaviour. Mm, I like the element of the distraction that it's mm. at points, those early stages that they really might need the distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Definitely a lot of adolescents do find that distraction can be incredibly helpful at mealtimes. Yeah, but maybe not the typical distraction that kids do these days with their watching shows. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> put, on your, put on your shows. Mm -hmm. So then have you come across maybe family dynamics where family members aren't very supportive towards eating disorder recovery for their children? And I guess what's your approach when this does um, come up? Mm. So from my personal experience of working with families, it has been really clear that all family members have wanted recovery for their child. It is also common for some family members to come to treatment feeling quite confused 
about why their child is unable to eat on their own despite having been told how unwell they are. Sometimes this can lead to criticism and also conflict between parents and their child. So when this does happen, I typically share more about what anorexia nervosa is, the seriousness of the condition, that action needs to be taken now, and also that they, so the parents, are their child's best resource for recovery. I will also often talk about the eating disorder being separate from their child. During the early stages of treatment, the eating disorder is controlling most of their child's food-related decisions, and it is incredibly difficult for their child to make healthy decisions on their own. However, throughout treatment, the child becomes stronger and the eating disorder weakens. And this can support families to see that the child is not to blame for the behaviours that are associated with their illness. This can also help parents to take the control that is required over food-related decisions, which means taking control of the eating disorder ultimately, while also being empathetic towards their child about their experience. Yes, definitely. So then is Maudsley family-based therapy appropriate for single parents or parents who have separated? How does that work? In short, often yes. Um, So single parents or parents who have separated are still vital resources for their child's recovery. Caring for an unwell child as a single parent can be incredibly challenging. And I encourage you to make sure that you're being supported if this is something that you are doing. So support can include your child's treatment team, your social network, and also connecting with other parents going through a similar experience. For parents who have separated, having a regular and clear communication system is going to be crucial. This may involve a bit of planning and also support from your child's therapist around what this may look like for you. Yes, I like that, that extra support because, yeah, with single parents, you they might have very busy schedules. You know, it might be like clean the house, cook the food, get the kids home, do all these things. So to kind of make sure you have the right supports and plans and everything that you can do, it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so important. Definitely, yeah. So then do you have any advice for anyone who is about to take part in family-based therapy and I guess is anxious about the process? Yeah, so I guess just to start with um, knowing that it's 
that's totally valid and also really normal to feel anxious about the process. I would encourage you to openly share any questions or any concerns that you have about treatment with your treatment team so that they can support you with the process. I would also encourage you to connect with other families who have done Maudsley family-based therapy, either through your own networks or perhaps joining a support group. And there are many support groups available to parents and also siblings who are supporting a loved one with an eating disorder, uh, such as the Butterfly Foundation's Carers web chat and virtual support groups, and also Eating Disorder Victoria's Upskill and Renew courses. Um, FEAST, so F-E-A-S-T, is also a non-profit organization that is based in the United States, um, but they also have a worldwide eating disorder events calendar, which shows the support groups available to carers around the world. Mm, yeah, I think that's great, the support groups and networks, um, mm. people, I guess, who don't know if anyone else has gone through Maudsley um, family-based therapy. That sounds really good. Yeah, definitely. Support is incredibly important. Mm. So then are there any more supports that families can use when going through the family-based therapy process? Yeah, so um, Body Matters have developed a wonderful resource for families that are doing Maudsley family-based therapy uh, called SupportWise. The program is $27 to purchase and it goes through the key components of Maudsley family-based therapy. So for any listeners who would like to purchase that program, you can do that by going to www.supportwise.com.au. There are also two fantastic books that I also recommend to families that are commencing treatment. The first book is called Surviving FBT by Maria Gancy. And the second book is called Help Your Child Start to Recover from Anorexia Nervosa, A Practical Guide. And that one is by Andrew Wallace and Colleen Alford. Um, Body Matters do sell copies of both of those books. So if you would like a copy, just ask your um, therapist or one of our um, team members. Yes. And I know SupportWise is, yeah, a very good um, type program. Mm, yeah, definitely. So then lastly, why is it important, I guess, to acknowledge that family therapy isn't going to be successful for everybody? And how might you support 
um, a family if multi-based therapy didn't go so well? Mm. So I guess like any treatments available, while mostly family-based therapy works for many families, it may not work for everyone. So if you start treatment and are not progressing, then this does not mean that your child will never recover from their illness or necessarily that you should stop mostly family-based therapy. It just means that what you are doing now isn't working at this point in time. It may be that you revise how the eating disorder is being maintained at home or in any other environments. And then what might need to happen to prevent that? It might also involve looking at other outpatient treatment options or even whether another level of care such as a day program or residential program may be suitable. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for this interview. It's been phenomenal. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. Well, that's the end of today's episode. Please subscribe, leave us a comment or a review. If you would also like to learn more about Body Matters services, you can check out our website at bodymatters.com.au. Thanks for listening.